Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, July 3rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what we're covering today. Protests over police violence continue in France. Plus, keeping dogs safe on the 4th. But first, two big rulings close out the Supreme Court's term. Why they matter is today's one big thing. On Friday, the Supreme Court struck down the president's plan to cancel up to $20,000 of student loan debt for tens of millions of Americans. The Washington Post's Danielle Douglas-Gabriel has been helping us understand this issue. Danielle, welcome back to Axios Today. Thanks for having me back. Danielle, let's just start with first. This ruling wasn't very much of a surprise to you, was it? No. I think many of the legal experts as well as higher education experts I spoke to ahead of this had thought that the court was going to find some way to find standing for either of these cases and then judge it on the merits and strike it down as a result. And that's exactly what we saw. Can you remind us, before the courts hit pause on the program, how many people had applied for relief? About 26 million people applied. And the Department of Education was actually able to approve about, I think, 16 million applications before it had to shut down the program. So there was a great amount of interest in this program and this plan. And a lot of, I think, sadness and anger from a lot of folks that I spoke with after the ruling as a result of not being able to get it. So to be clear, those 16 million people who are approved now will still have to pay back that debt. Oh, yeah. What kind of precedent does this set for future student loan forgiveness plans? I think, you know, if anything, this experience probably makes it a bit more toxic on Capitol Hill to find some kind of bipartisan solution to achieve what the president wanted. I mean, certainly before this ruling came down, we saw there was a congressional resolution to uh, strike down the policy, and that was successful. The president vetoed that bill, but it really set the stage for the fact that it is such a contentious issue that it would be difficult to get political support. However, I think it's worth noting, and I think this is something that is giving a lot of borrowers some hope. The president also offered an alternative pathway within hours of the Supreme Court ruling, whereby he's going to go through the federal rulemaking process to see if he can achieve the same thing. Keep in mind that certainly even if the president is able to propagate a rule, finalize a rule, it will likely face legal challenges. And those likely legal challenges may rise to the level of going back to the Supreme Court. So we may be seeing another Groundhog's Day type moment in the next year or so once the president is able to finalize a plan. And if the president wants to create a federal rule, can he do that without Congress? He can. The Department of Education does have the authority to go through what's called negotiated rulemaking. They convene a panel of higher education experts. They draft a proposal. They go through all of the reasons why it could work, how it should be refined, all of that. Then produce a draft rule, do public comment, finalize the rule after that. But that does not prevent that rule from being challenged. I think we've seen it with other rules during the Trump administration. You saw that with the borrowed defense repayment rule. That was something dealing with defrauded borrowers who wanted to have their loans forgiven as a result. There were so many legal challenges to that. They weren't necessarily successful, but that doesn't mean that legal challenges to a debt relief bill will not be successful. And I think that's important when you think about the Supreme Court looking at the major doctrines clause, right? And thinking about what role Congress must play in making federal policy that has sweeping scope, particularly sweeping expense as as canceling debt. So while this is not over, the political fight will ensue. 
it is not a done deal that borrowers will receive the kind of debt relief that the president is hoping for or has promised. And in the meantime, for these tens of millions of Americans who owe student loan debt, what's your advice for them? Start preparing for repayment. I mean, we are going to start seeing uh, interest starting to accrue again in September. Payments are coming due in October. The administration has given borrowers a 12-month grace period, which means if you miss a payment during that time, it's not going to be a knock on your credit score. But certainly, your interest is accruing on your debt at that time. It would behoove borrowers, particularly those who can afford to, to start making payments on their loans. Also, start talking to your servicers now. Start figuring out what's the best path forward because these bills will come due. Danielle Douglas-Gabriel covers higher education for The Washington Post. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you. One other headline we've been following this weekend. Protests, some turning violent, have gone on for days across France, following the police killing of an unarmed French teenager of North African descent. The shooting death of Nahel M., as he's been publicly identified, happened in the Paris suburb of Nanterre last week. The 17-year-old had been driving in a bus lane and ran a red light before getting stopped by traffic. A bystander video showed an officer shooting into the teen's car window at point-blank range. Nahel's funeral was Saturday. The death has tapped into long-standing anger over police violence against people of color in France and sparked renewed outrage in a country that's been grappling with its historical self-image as a colorblind society. The police officer accused of the fatal shooting has been detained on charges of voluntary homicide. In a moment, another key ruling from the Supreme Court on LGBTQ rights. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. The Supreme Court on Friday ruled businesses can refuse service to LGBTQ plus customers in what was essentially a follow to 2018's Masterpiece Cake Shop case. The court said a Colorado web designer who wanted to create and sell wedding websites did not have to do so for same-sex couples. Axios' Sam Baker is here with more. Sam, can you explain the reasoning of this case for us, please? You got most of it there. The distinction that the court drew was, look, this isn't someone saying, I want to close my doors to anyone who is gay. This is someone who, when you make a website, you have to, you know, communicate the message of that website, and she does not approve of same-sex marriage. So in this, what the court said, sort of narrow circumstance, you would be compelling this person to speak to communicate a message or create a message that they didn't agree with and that her First Amendment rights prohibited that. So the Supreme Court has expanded rights for LGBTQ plus people in recent years. What are the broader implications of this ruling? This ruling itself is probably pretty narrow. The broader implications are just the court's gotten a lot more conservative, certainly since it legalized same-sex marriage. There was also the sort of surprise ruling more recently by Justice Gorsuch that protected trans employees' rights. But I think that you could have assumed for a while, at least when Justice Kennedy was still on the court, that LGBT rights were sort of on autopilot. And some people come into the court and they almost always win. LGBT rights seem to be one of them, but so do people saying that their religious rights are being infringed. And so I think what you see here is when those two conflict, religion is usually going to win. And also, this is just a court that's not going to keep going in the same direction it was going. What has the Biden administration's reaction to all of this been? 
Well, they don't like it, but there's not much they can do about it. So this is a, concerns Colorado law. It's not a question of federal law. There is no federal law prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. So, you know, Biden himself has, has criticized the court, but practically there's not a lot he can do. Sam, when we look back on all of the cases, as we're now at the end of this term, how significant is this ruling? It certainly feels very big right now, and I understand that. I think in the scheme of things, this will not necessarily be one of the court's landmark rulings, but I think it is more important in that it sort of speaks to a trajectory that the court is on, particularly how much more conservative it is getting. And even though the court has tried to sort of hold itself out for a long time as being different from just politics, and the justices just look at the law and they don't worry about whether they're going to get their preferred policy outcome, this conservative court sure does seem to arrive at conservative policy outcomes a lot of the time. So I think the court is starting to look a lot more like the political institution that it is. Uh, in this case, is sort of a, an important data point to show that we are on that path. Sam Maker is our resident SCOTUS expert. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Nyla. One final note for you today. For all you dog owners and dog lovers out there, ahead of this Independence Day. Dogs are so scared by the noise from fireworks that a record number are lost over the holiday. Axios' Carly Malenbaum reports an 81% jump in lost pet incidents on July 5th last year versus the daily average. So how can you help manage your dog's fear? Plan to pet or feed your dog when the fireworks get going. Create a safe haven, like crating your dog along with comforting items and chew toys. Or try playing music or television to help drown out the banks. And, writes Carly, plan ahead for next year and make sure your dog is microchipped so if it does run away, you'll have an easier time finding it. We'll link to more of Carly's advice in our show notes. That does it for us today. Please enjoy a safe and happy 4th of July. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening, and we're back with you on Wednesday morning.